The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted. Well, I am officially up to, yes, listener mailbag number 11. If I counted correctly, that is where we are at this point, which is which is exciting. So for those of you who don't know, you can shoot me your questions, comments in a multitude of ways through Twitter, Tom H. Fit, through Instagram, Tom H. Fit, through the website, fitnessdisrupted.com, which needs updating. It's just another source of frustration, something I need to get to, uh, but that's a whole nother topic. But yes, you can go to fitnessdisrupted.com, email me through the site as well. So I love to hear from you. And there are no, I, I don't even like saying the word stupid or dumb. It just, it sounds overly harsh, but that's what this whole show's about is all the misinformation out there and making sense of it. So of course I want to hear from you and I want every single question that you have. There are no big ones or small ones. They're just questions. And frequently I will answer the same one because that those questions exist and, and continue to exist because the bogus myths just won't go away because they make people a lot of money. So again, do not hesitate to reach out. I love every single question. You know, uh, when I first started doing these listener mailbag shows, I made the analogy to they are similar in format to when I'm at a party and people find out what I do and inevitably they start asking me questions. And oftentimes they will apologize saying, oh, you know, you must not enjoy answering these questions. This is my life. I love it. Yes, I also make money off it and I, I do consultations, but, you know, short answers to questions, of course, of course, I'm going to help out. And that's the format of these types of shows is I try to keep it tight. You know, each uh, answers right around a couple minutes at most, hopefully. And most of these topics have been and will continue to be 
talked about in other podcasts. We talk about protein. We talk about weight loss. We talk about how to structure your weekly workouts, all of those things, and it's all connected. So don't hesitate to reach out. I really appreciate it. And I answer every single one, every single one. So you know what? Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get right to it. Today, we're going to do eight. Uh, sometimes we have more, uh, but I want to, you know, keep these tighter and give you exactly what you what you need. All right. So quick break. We'll be right back. Listener mailbag show number 11. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. I'm going to read you the questions I receive, again, through different direct messaging, things like that. And oftentimes people will include their names. I, I leave them out. 
I want you to be anonymous and I don't want you to hesitate to reach out. And of course, I'm not going to even use just one name. You will remain anonymous. And let's jump right in. I love this first one. Podcast Q&A question. As a fellow sweat factory, do you have tips for keeping a chest heart rate monitor properly in place? It seems to slide out of place quite a bit. Uh, so what this person is talking about, if you're unfamiliar, there are uh, different ways to measure your heart rate. And one of the older ways is the chest strap. Now, I have talked about on previous podcasts that, yes, now fitness technology is such that Apple watches, the Garmin watch I have, there are so many watches and brands that will now take your heart rate from your wrist. I have found and studies have shown, and it's different for different people and different uh, intensities, but it's not as accurate. And for me, it's ridiculously inaccurate. And the harder I go, the more inaccurate it is. So I've said before, I will use the resting heart rate from my wrist. That's good. Sleeping, uh, you know, my low number, I will take <laughs> from my wrist or the numbers, those metrics that my Garmin gives me because those I find are accurate. Once I start to exercise, though, and just even in the moderate range, it starts to go way wonky. And that's for me. You might find differently, but the only way you would know is to compare. And so, you know, there's a reason why a family member who just had some heart stuff done and they used a special monitor, where do they put it? On his chest, <laughs> where his heart is. So not to say you can't get heart rate from wrist and different ways. By the way, I was out at CES not too many years ago, Consumer Electronics Show in uh, Vegas, and there was a booth. Uh, it was a German company that had heart rate, what do you want to call it? Uh, head straps. Yeah. So <laughs> you, these people were walking around wearing straps on their forehead, and that was the way they were going to get heart rate. Now, uh, yeah, I would rather kind of hide it under my shirt personally. That's me. But yeah, that was another way to do it. So you can take it from different parts of your body is my point. But I haven't even answered this person's question yet. But I am doing it in a circuitous way just to get back to chest straps still today are, in my opinion, in my experience, uh, much of the research, the more accurate way to go, especially if you are an athlete, especially, and it sounds like if this person is sweating hard, and by the way, by sweat factory, they mean they're sweating a lot as I uh, do as well. And they obviously know that. So things slip. And I have the same problem. I really have the same problem. And so my short answer in a long about way is you got to find, it's got to be tighter. It's got to be a little bit tight when you start. It's almost analogous to how you dress when it's cold outside. In other words, you want to be a little bit chilly when you step outside for that run because your body's going to warm up. That core temperature is going to rise. And when it does, then all of a sudden you're at a perfect uh, temperature. When my heart rate strap is a little bit tight at the start, as I start to move and I sweat a little bit, it seems to get better. But it's an imperfect science. In other words, there are runs where I stop or jog slowly or walk and I, and I fix it. Um, there's no perfect way. And let me, let me finish up with this. Uh, I was also out at CES uh, years ago with a company that was uh, coming out with an EKG level heart rate monitor. And this was a really funny uh, experience because 
they were still in the development phase and it was on the chest and it was bigger, obviously, because it was doing more. Um, and long story short, when I put it on, my chest was different. It wasn't reading and it totally flummoxed <laughs> in a bad way. These developers, because they had, I think it was like 50 different people that had tried it out, different types of chest and my chest, for whatever reason, pretty normal chest, but the way it sat on my chest didn't work exactly right. So we all have different you know, biomechanics. We have different bodies. So you're going to want to find a place on your chest that works a little better for you. Not the best answer, but that's the right answer, right? So experiment as subtle as it might be with the placement, make it a little tighter. Not so much that it's uncomfortable, by the way, then it kind of defeats the purpose. It's going to raise your heart rate most likely without even exercising. So a little tighter, experiment. Yeah, and I'll leave it at that. All right, great question. Number two, hi, Tom, fan from the UK, love the podcast. I have two questions for you. I'm trying to lose weight, and I was wondering if a six-day split push-pull legs is the right way to go forward. Also, hate doing cardio at the gym, but I go walking with my daughter at least twice a day for about two hours. Holy cow. Is that good enough? Thanks. Yes. You are killing it. You are doing it. Two hours is crazy great. And by the way, doing it with your daughter, oh my gosh, you're outside. The biophilia hypothesis, right? From Michael Easter's book, The Comfort Crisis, being outside in nature, you're going to enjoy it more. You're going to burn more calories. You're more likely to do it again. You're with your daughter, that social connection, amazing. And two hours is awesome. Is the calorie burned through the roof? No, but it doesn't matter. It's going to all add up. So back to the strength side. So a six-day split, for those of you who don't know, split is just how you design your workouts, right? What are you going to do on one day? What are you going to do the next? So when someone asks me how they should work out, you know, cardio strength, what to do, my first question is, how many days are you going to do it? If you're going to do it three days a week, well, then you probably want to do full body workouts. If you're going to do six days a week, you can't do full body workouts every day because your body needs, what, 24 hours to recover. So a split routine is what people will do. A lot of times people think of bodybuilder split routines, doesn't work for the people who aren't doing the things that bodybuilders are doing, legal and illegal, right? And it's a whole different world. So what this person is doing is two days of upper body. So one day are the pushing exercises, you know, the uh, bench press, chest, shoulders, um, triceps, and then the pull day back and biceps. And then the third day legs. That's a phenomenal split. That's a great way to do it. And you're in the gym or at home, whichever you know place you're exercising. I did it that way for years. And depending on how frequently I am strength training and what my goals are, it's different if I'm doing, you know, the triathlons, the running, I don't want as much muscle, but that's a great split to build muscle. So you're what hitting the body parts twice a week, you know, three times, two to three times is what we're shooting for. Cause you want to do your strength. You want to do your cardio. You want to do everything, not just one thing. So short answer is, absolutely good enough. Just make sure that you are using weights that are challenging, that you're mixing up your routine occasionally so your body doesn't get too acclimated to it, uh, but you're overloading those muscles. And then with the cardio, you know, don't focus on the calories burned, but focus on the frequency. And then third component I would add in is then you start to make subtle, small, meaningful changes to your diet, to eating better. Not big ones. Don't go on a diet. Never going to. Just saying that out loud is, is 
wrong. It doesn't feel right to me. Okay, so you got your strength going. Awesome. You got your cardio going. Awesome. So now, small changes to the eating on the healthier side. Give it time. You're going to find amazing, amazing results. So perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, Number three, Tom, listen to your podcast all the time. Truly inspiring and very informative. Thank you very much. With all the information on the internet, I'm not sure where to start regarding working out. A little background, I'm a 43-year-old male and want to start with strength training and I don't know where to start. I've read about, heard about full body workouts and upper lower workouts, exactly what we are just talking about, right? How to split up the routine, uh, but I have no idea which is better. In regards to equipment, I have dumbbells, resistance bands, and a bench with free weights with a standard bar and an easy curl bar as well. He's got everything he needs. And, and more, actually, if he's just starting out. Could you offer any explanation regarding a workout plan? I've searched the net, but there's such an abundance of information that I'm unsure what really works. Any suggestions would be much appreciated. I love this question. I love it at 40 or in his 40s, 43, he's just starting out strength training. It's never too late. Could be 83. And I've talked about before in, in my book that I'm going to reference here, shameless plug, but for a good reason, People who start strength training later and later in life see huge results quickly. It's never too late. It's so cliche, but it's scientifically proven. So this is the problem. There's so much information out there, but what's right? What's going to, you know, first and foremost, not get them hurt. It's so easy to do too much. So I want to start there. First of all, I love that he's discerning. He's like, what do I do? There's, there's lots of information out there, but I'm sure it's conflicting and confusing. And he said, let me get right specific. Uh, he's heard about full body workouts and upper lower workouts. So the split routine we just talked about, would he do that? Would I recommend that to him? No. No, full body workouts and simple stuff. Probably mostly body weight to start. Again, depends on his goals, fitness level. Uh, he's obviously just starting out, but you never know. He says he's starting with weights, but... He, he could be a you know former soccer player for many years or whatever. But you start simple. You can't start too slowly. So we're going to learn how to squat without heavy weights or holding dumbbells. We're going to do some push-ups and some planks and some lunging, probably stationary to start. Getting that neuromuscular connection, getting the form down. And yeah, full body workouts, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Doesn't have to be an hour, shouldn't be. That's a lot if you're just starting. I'm going to be really sore. But I loved having these clients back in the day. Oh, gosh, so great to work with. And we get to the specifics. I'm going to, as I just said, shameless plug, but for good reason. This is when people ask me what trainers they should go to or even physical therapists. I have a very short list for good reason. There's not a lot of great people in this business. There's just not. Sounds weird to say out loud, but it's true. A lot of people come and go. Many people, most, don't have much education at all. That's why one of my revenue streams is being the fitness expert in lawsuits, because trainers and programs that hurt people. So, got to be really discerning. So, I'm going to throw out, yes, my most recent book, The Micro Workout Plan. It's exactly for someone like him. And even the book before it, Beat the Gym. Exactly for someone like him. These are the two books that I wrote to solve and answer the questions he just asked. How do I start? What do I do? How do I get the greatest results in the shortest amount of time without injury? So got to say it, micro workout plan and beat the gym. And finally, free videos. I've done so many for so many different companies. 
And the methodology is what I just said, body weight stuff. I just saw today my three-minute plank, which is, which is challenging, three minutes, a really long time, 15 million views. But I have eight minutes ab exercises, standing, not standing, how to do, you know, uh, arm exercise, how to do a bicep curl correctly, how to do a squat correctly. So, again, I'm just going to throw myself out there. They're free. But if you Google Tom Holland and, and you don't get, you know, the actor, it's going to take a little work now uh, and exercises and specific body parts and, and how to get started. That's a great way to. I'm going to give you my form advice. I'm going to start you slowly, progress you. And that's how it should be. Uh, but congrats. I love that you're starting. You know, strength training is truly the fountain of youth. That's uh, a chapter in the micro workout plan for good reason. But you already have the equipment which is almost, actually, it's not all, it's, it's a problem to some degree because I worry that you're going to get hurt following the wrong program. So full body workouts, start with a lot of body weight stuff, super simple, short, maybe 20 to 30 minutes at the start because you're going to be sore and you're going to build up slowly. You're going to learn how to do the basics, shoulder presses, chest presses, dumbbell rows, squats and lunges, ab exercises. All right. Awesome question. Uh, you know what? Let's take another quick break. And then when we come back, we got four more. So we're halfway through. Great questions, all a little different now. And we will be right back. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, 
I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. This is yet another listener mailbag show number 11. And we are on question. Jeez Louise, I got to pick up the pace as always. Uh, (laughs) Number four. Good morning, Tom. I've got my first half marathon in seven weeks. I get so excited when people have their first anything like this. Uh, So congrats. I'm just now up to six miles, but with the pending cold weather around the corner and short days, I'll be limited to four mile runs during the week and long run on the weekend. I'm just not sure if increasing my long run by one mile every week will be okay. And how do I know what I need for supplements the day of the actual race? It's in Tempe, Arizona, and I live in Kansas. Two great questions within this one. Uh, First of all, again, congrats. First marathon, or half marathon. I think the half marathon for so many people, not everyone, but is a phenomenal goal. There are half marathons in pretty much any city in the United States and around the world now. And they're doable for just about everyone. I once walked an entire half marathon with a client many years ago. We were pretty much, if not dead last, and it was one of the greatest things she accomplished. And her goals were to get off, you know, medications and things like that. So I wouldn't call her a runner, uh, but we did it. So for those of you who think you can't and shouldn't uh, and it's out of your reach, a half marathon, think again. I'm just going to always throw that out there. But so she's up to six miles. She's got seven weeks to go. Uh, I did write a book also called The um, the Marathon Method, which has half marathon plans in there as well. Wrote that one a while back. Um, but within that book, I have different plans, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Uh, and what we're doing is progressing. What I'm doing is progressing people slowly uh, and building up and then pulling back, rest, recover, so you don't get hurt. It's all about not getting hurt, people, so you can continue to run and enjoy your life. So she's up to six, six uh, miles. This is simple math. So for those of you who don't know, on the weekend, you basically do one long run uh, for half marathons, marathons, and the like. And you want to progress, you know, ideally slowly. So she's up to six, seven weeks to go. So yes, next weekend, she does seven miles. Weekend after that, eight. I've got my fingers out counting as we do this. The next weekend, nine. The next weekend, 10. That's four weeks she can get up to 11. That's five weeks. And then that gives her two weeks to do what is known as a taper. So after that 11, she may go back down, depends on her, so many different things, but she's going to dramatically decrease. So she may go to eight, seven, and then the final uh, week prior, she may do six, five, six or five, but getting up to 11 and that would take her, you know, she's done six. So four weeks, five weeks, uh, and then it gives her time to rest and recover. So I would do probably around a two-week taper for this half marathon. Now, the, the common question is, well, shouldn't she run 13? Shouldn't a marathoner run 26 the day before? Different coaches have different opinions. 
Jeff Galloway would oftentimes, one of the guys I highly respect, Olympian, he wrote the forward to that book. I, I disagree. First timers, 20, 20 miles, maybe 21. But when you do too much in training, uh, you can leave it in training and you get injured and hurt and race day, you're not very good. You're, you've done too much. Uh, and the body's incredible. So because you have built up over money, many months, ideally, and then you recover, you have so much in the tank, the crowd, so many different things are going to carry you those extra miles. And a line I like to use, especially in endurance races, well, it's two. One is it's not who goes the fastest, it's who slows down the least. And it's better to be 10% undertrained, in my opinion and experience, than 1% overtrained. Overtraining is, and then trying to race or, you know, uh, do a race is super challenging. So there you go. Yes, one mile, perfect. Uh, and finish out at 10 or 11 uh, would be my recommendation. Uh, and then the supplements, I love it. So this is really smart because what she's saying is, you know, she's in a colder place. She's going to be competing in a hotter place. And what should she do? And yes, you know, I've done the episodes and will continue to do them on sports drinks versus water. There's a reason for sports drinks, the electrolytes, the calories, yes, the sugar, the calories for energy and the fluid to prevent dehydration. So first and foremost, I would advise you to check out what they have on the course. What are they going to, what are they going to provide? And this is so important back when I was coaching people for these type of events and, and myself, I'm doing Ironman Brazil that has gotten pushed off and pushed off uh, in May and one thing I do before I do any of these races is look to see what products they will have on the course. And oftentimes I will have them shipped to me so I train with them. So that is a recommendation for her. See what sports strength they have on the course and try to get used to it in training. And not only the brand, but the flavor. They will often tell you, hey, you know, we're going to be giving out this type of sports drink and this flavor. You want to... Make your training as close to your race day as possible. Now, she may not be able to find out. She may not like it. For a half marathon, you can bring a lot of it with you. So many different ways. There used to be something called fuel belt back in the day, which was my preferred way, actually, on the cover of, of that marathon book, or I think it's that one, a triathlon book as well, and then a sports uh, nutrition one. But um, <laughs> they're different covers, which is why. Um, I, I'm wearing a fuel belt. And for some races, I used them, you know, went to the drinks on them. Other races, it was just backup and ended up using more of what was on the course, but I had it with me if I needed it. So you can have handheld water bottles. You can carry it around your waist in a multitude of ways. There are incredible weight around water vests, fluid vests. Now I used one for the first time when I ran across the Grand Canyon and back. Amazing. You know, not as many people wearing them for a half marathon, but you could. So that's the second way to do it is find out what's on the course, get used to it or expect it at least. And if you're going to be self-contained, then figure out and train with those long runs uh, the way you're going to bring your uh, electrolytes. Now, the final point on this is there are tablets different form, many different formats, salt, you can lick different products, uh, half marathon, even though it's in Arizona, you know, the maximum most people would be out there is, you know, somewhere two hours, three hours, right around there, depending on how fast they're going. Um, you don't really need 
a lot of those type of supplements. Now, if you're a super salty sweater, which means, you know, you're really getting rid of a lot of electrolytes, then that may be a consideration. But for the most people, if you are taking in those sports drinks on the course, if you're bringing some with you, if you're hydrating with water as well, that that may be enough for her. It's very individualized. Um, You have to know your body. You have to kind of figure out in training. But final point on this, this is why I always say, It's better for most people to drink and focus on the sports drink in lieu of the water when you're doing an endurance race. Water gives you fluid. Awesome. Really important. But a sports drink gives you two more things. I'm getting ready to contribute to yet another article as soon as this is done on sports drink versus water. And I will give these exact points. I've done it for decades. And this is what the research shows. And this is what I have done in my races all around the world. So not only, uh, you know, it's what the research shows. But this is what I have really put into practice. Malaysia, South Korea, China, New Zealand, all over the world, you know, Grand Canyon, long, long races. I'm an experiment of one, though. So it's different for um, everyone. But that doesn't change the fact that water is water and that's fluid, which is good. But sports drinks is electrolytes replacing things we lose in sweat that can lead to cramping and many other issues. And it's energy, which is important. Even in a half marathon, not as much as a marathon. You're not going to carb up uh, the way, you know, and en- fill up your energy stores, ideally for an, uh, a race of that length. But still important, especially for final point. Didn't think I'd go here. But, you know, many people do these half marathons to lose weight. So they're not eating as much. And that can be a problem. You can go into even a half marathon underfueled. So. Sports drink, don't worry as much about the supplements, bringing, you know, tablets or something like that with you and have fun and congrats. All right. Number five. Love this one. Just came up in a a prior podcast. Hi, Tom. Thoughts on weighted walking vests. Looking to get one for my husband for Christmas. Appreciate your guidance. I have to be honest, as I always am. And I I always cringe when I make that statement. I have to be honest. Why? It always begs the question, are you not honest? Normally. But I don't have experience with walking vests. I have friends who use them. I am always careful about loading my body. Uh, a problem used to be, not used to be, um, you know, when people hold heavy things in their hands or put them on their ankles, depending on the movement you're doing, that could be really problematic, people. Really problematic. Depends on the movements you're doing, but that can lead to stressors in different areas of your body that your body's not ready to handle. So you got to be careful. But that being said, I am much more okay with, according to the research and just what's natural, putting it on your chest, on your core, right? That's not your extremities. That's not going to, you know, put the stress on the body the way uh, it would if you held something too heavy in your hands or put something really heavy around your ankles. And let me just cut to the chase here. Had Michael Easter on, that amazing book I just read finally of his, The Comfort Crisis. And he goes into this whole chapter on rucking. And it's just this. It's weighted walking vests. And he talks about uh, the incredible evolutionary applications or, or you know, uh, history. We talk about frequently, right? We were born to run. We were persistence hunters, according to people like Dr. Daniel Lieberman and other experts in this field. We ran after our prey. We wore them down and then we got them. But what I didn't think about till Michael Easter really brought it up in his book is, then we had to carry it out frequently. We didn't just eat the animal right there. 
And so in that book, he goes through an incredible discussion and again, tied into the military and their use of weighted vests because they're obviously carrying heavy stuff. It's part of their job. So I'm totally on board now and I'm probably going to buy one. I'm going to actually give you the the brand, which I so rarely do, and I have no connection to them, but I so trust uh, Michael Easter's recommendation and and the chapter in the book. Uh, It's go, I want to make sure, (laughs) goruck.com, goruck.com. When I went to the website, they're expensive. (laughs) I was actually surprised. It's basically a backpack with a plate in it, Um, but they're well-made. You got to be, you know. Well, I'm just going to take a backpack and I'm going to take a plate out of my, you know, uh, home gym and put it in there. Not the same. Again, you want the weight distributed carefully. And that's what these companies do, right? So it's expensive for a reason and it's a great gift and I'm totally on board and I want to hear how your husband liked it. And I'm going to add this to my repertoire. I don't need, you know, my home gym and closets just filled with gear. And yet another thing I'm going to add, but I need variation. And so every now and again, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to do hopefully this winter too is cross-country skiing. I've never done it. And I also want a snowshoe. Never done it. I've just always been convinced that the moment I go out and buy that, we're not going to have any snow. And let me just say one final thing. I did get contacted by a company that is now doing weighted clothing. So you go, what is that? It looks to be, and they're sending me samples. We're very interested in trying them out. I'm guessing just from the pictures that they're little, like probably lead-filled balls, (laughs) but they're like shirts and shorts and new company, relatively new, but it looked like up to 10 pounds or more. So it's not like a plate and it's not just a vest, but it's distributed uniquely throughout this garment. So I'm very excited to to try that out because it goes to the overload principle, people, but you got to be careful. I'll go back one final time to, you know, there's a person who used to do this crazy trampoline workout, and they still may do it, with ankle weights on and, and some hand weights, and personally not for me. And when I watched and, you know, um, that to me is a recipe for disaster, but I'm all for the weighted vests. All right, here we go. We got two more, and then one, like, not really a question. But number six, Tom working out four days a week. Two days lifting weights and two days body weight. My goal is to lose weight and build muscle. Looking to add 15 pounds. Do you think it's a good idea to take whey protein or no for muscles since I can't get enough protein with my food? What do you think? This goes back to many shows I've done on protein intake, strength training, and second level issues, right? So I'm going to answer this one pretty quickly. And if you want more information on this, look into those prior podcasts on protein and things like that. Yes, we, w- we need protein. Protein is the building blocks of muscle amino acids. The rule of thumb that is widely used is roughly, I would recommend, half your body weight in grams of protein per day. So if you're 150 pounds, it's roughly 75 grams per day. And bodybuilders will do one gram oftentimes more. So if they weigh 150, they're taking 150 grams in. And again, it's often sometimes 2x. Uh, not for us, uh, regular people who are, you know, building muscle, even performing. And, you know, athletes, they'll go a little bit more than half the body weight uh, in grams of protein per day. But that's a great starting point for most people. And so the whey protein part, sure, there's studies on whey protein. And there's so many different kinds of protein today. Pea protein, you know, just you name it. But we can't find it all the time. And so, sure, you can grab that whey protein as a supplement, uh, but find what you like and find what, you know, is a good price point because 
in my experience, yes, we could get deep into the science of that, but that's not what people need. That's not what you need. If you're a bodybuilder, if you're, you know, competing, then it's different. Uh, but if you're looking to look better, feel better, live longer, add muscle, let's do what we can do. And, you know, if that whey protein is $79 for a tub, uh, but there's another type of protein or a different type of whey protein, if I give you a specific brand, that's 29. Um, sure, you know, we want high quality, but a lot of times the markup is just the markup. It's the brand people. Um, so yes, I would totally recommend a protein shake or two. When I am building muscle, you know, I do my eggs in the morning, my oatmeal, I do my chicken, my fish. Yeah, I'll do, you know, other forms as well, but I will add and supplement with a protein shake or two every day to ensure that I get adequate protein to build the muscle. And with my kids, my two, te uh, well, one teenager and one soon to be, they're taking extra as well because it's just too hard too often to get it in, especially when you start to count the numbers. And finally, try to spread it out throughout the day. So if you're taking in 80 grams of protein per day, 15 to 20 at every meal, you know, and a great protein drink will have anywhere from, you know, 15 to 40 grams. And there you have it. Perfect. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. Final question. And then just more comment. Hi, Tom. This is blank from Singapore. I just want to say that I love your videos because they help me a lot in getting some exercises done and on a busy day. They even build up my strength, even though it is slow, but they help a lot. I would like to ask your advice. I'm between 67 and 68 kilograms, and I've been doing your videos for the past five weeks, consisting of hit abs, core, home, holiday season, survival workouts, etc. I made a, uh, I made a small progress. Um, so obviously, um, different language here, but my weight is, uh, at the small range rather than dropping. I now spend one hour doing videos every weekday. Okay. Uh, several things here. First of all, it goes back to my recommendation and she did a, did I give, no, I didn't give the brand, but when you Google the videos from me, there's one company where I did, you know, so many videos, um, including the one that has over the 15 million uh, views. And so she's doing those. And a huge reason for the popularity of these was COVID. I had so many people reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, my class, I'm a teacher and I'm using your videos for PE, Zoom classes, whatever. So COVID and Zoom and, you know, all the advances in online technology has people doing these videos. So if that's something you need, they're there and they're free. And there's so many different ones. I've got core ones, as she said, she went through, hit abs, core, home, holiday season. I just did another one today that I'm going to upload all free. Uh, I'm not great at, in the business department when it comes to those, but I'd rather you all have access to them. But what I want to get here. So she didn't come right out and say it, but she obviously wants to lose weight. And my answer to her is keep doing what you're doing. She's crushing it. She's doing the variation, high intensity, abs, core. She's mixing it up. If she said, I'm doing only your HIIT workouts, I'd say, I want you to mix it up. But she is. And I just want to pull out because it's so important and it's so often found the answers are right in the question themselves. She says, I have built up strength, right? They even build up my strength, even though it is slow. That's the perfect way. And so those of you who haven't shot me an answer, I oftentimes will answer the people directly through the direct message as well. And that's what I said to her. And I said, also listen to the podcast, but she may not be listening to this. So I want to make sure that she gets her answer. So I said to her, you're, you're doing it. You said it. 
build up my strength, even though it is slow. That is the only progress I want. When I was a trainer, that's the progress I wanted. I never wanted and, and wouldn't do anything where the client said, oh, I lost eight pounds in a week. Because you didn't. You lost a heck of a lot of water and probably some muscle and a little bit of fat. Slow progress is the progress we are going for. That's quality progress. All right. And then she said, she said it. I made a small progress, but my weight is at the small range rather than dropping. She's making progress. It's been five weeks. We've been promised, you've been promised, these bogus, unhealthy, unsustainable, short-term gains. Rather than figuring out the exercises that you like, the foods that you like, it feels really good. You know, that's the message I'm constantly trying to get across to you, is that when you give it time, when you do the right things, when you find the things that you enjoy, there's a tipping point. And that tipping point is where you would get really angry if someone told you to eat the way you used to eat. You would get really angry if someone told you you couldn't do the activities you want to do. It's not exercise. It's not punishment. As I record this podcast, we're in the crazy holiday season and the stressors are there. But stress is a choice. And what do I do? And we'll do today, again, already done a couple workouts, short ones, the 10-minute ones I talk about. But I'm going to do a longer cardio workout, first and foremost, to alleviate the stress. And if you told me I couldn't, or when I can't, which it's just, that's my fault that I don't schedule it in right, which is the rare occasion, I'll feel good. It's not the other way around. It's not that I don't feel good because I exercised. It's that I don't feel good because I didn't. And that can be you too. Eh, perfect way. Um, oh, she also asks... A little different. Um, she's on a different since they're in Singapore. She said, I will also like to ask, the suggestion may be very off or too far-fetched. As you know, we're now in the COVID phase. And because after taking our doses, we can't exercise for the next two weeks. Do you know of any really light and brief movement exercises that can be done during these two weeks? And I said, walk. There's many other options, but it's so easy. And it's two weeks. Get outside and go for a walk. Go for long walks or frequent walks throughout the day. I've said it many times for me, it's my dogs in the morning. It's how I start 99% of my days, unless I'm traveling. Snow, rain, sleet, heat, we're out. We're doing it. All right, so walk. And final thing with that is whenever we can't do as much exercise, that's when you tweak your eating a tiny bit better. That's what people who maintain their weight do, subconsciously and consciously. You go, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to expend what I normally do which is twofold, which means you're not going to create this, you know, subtle caloric deficit or whatever the caloric deficit is that you normally do, but you're also going to be more likely to eat more, to, you know, not have those hunger hormones the way you normally do in, in check. So a tiny bit better, a tiny bit, not, not deprivation, not going an entire day without eating. That's going to backfire for the vast majority of people. But when we can't do what we normally do as far as movement, then we make up for it. We balance it with, you know, one glass of wine instead of two. Things like that. All right. Final. It's not a question, but I wanted to throw it in here. Uh, hey, Tom, recently started listening to your podcast. I'm actually an army recruiter currently, and I had my future soldiers do the 10-minute workout you talked about on a recent podcast. It was pretty challenging. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I love what I do. And, you know, 
10 minutes matters. Five minutes matters. Minutes matter. And you matter. And your life is so much more under your control than so many of these people tell you. And it doesn't have to be torture. It shouldn't be. It's a journey. It takes some time. You'll hear me say that over and over. But it's doable for every single one of you. And I love that the soldiers were challenged. <laughs> but 10 minutes done correctly is everything. You know, give me an hour on an elliptical, which I've only done, I think, once, twice in my life. It's not for me. I do different things. But 10-minute workout, like the one I just did this morning, it's the one I gave you, by the way, uh, the recent podcast, kicks my butt. It's 50 minutes shorter. Not to say there's not value in lists workouts. Low-intensity, steady state. I do those too, and you should too. But it's mixing it up. There is no best. There's no one way. But there's science, there's getting our heart rates up, there's lifting heavy things, and there's fueling our bodies with good things. Not focusing on what we're not eating, but focusing on the healthy things we enjoy. That's the shift that needs to happen. All right, I'm done preaching. Uh, thank you. I love, 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 love these episodes. So do not hesitate to reach out. Tom H. Fit, as I said, Instagram and Twitter. Message me through there. Go to fitnessdisrupted.com. Shoot me an email. And thank you. And yes, you know, as crazy as it sounds, it feels weird to pitch you my books. But what the heck am I doing if, you know, I'm not trying to get you the information any way I can to help you? So the micro workout plan and beat the gym, that's a little older, but there's different stuff in there. So both will give you workouts and um, micro workout plan is, is more towards working at home, uh, but both will help people like that great question about how to get started. All right. Thank you. Remember, we all control three things. How much we move, what we put into our mouths and our attitudes. And that is awesome. I'm Tom Holland, exercise physiologist, certified sports nutritionist. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.